0: This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back for another week of nursing, true crime, healthcare. We talk about a little bit of everything on this podcast, but mostly focused on stories and infusing nursing and healthcare into that. This week, I want to welcome my guest host, Robert Miller from LegalNurse.com. Robert, welcome back. Well, it's good to have you. We recorded an episode a few weeks ago, and that went really well. So I thought it'd be great to have you back on, especially since you're going to be coming and presenting at the Nurse Creator Con next week, which I still can't believe it. It's just a little over a week away. By the way, if you guys haven't gotten your tickets yet, we do have virtual tickets available if you can't make it all the way down to Austin, Texas. Understandable. But if you are in the area, we still have a few in-person tickets available if you would like to come. It's going to be fun. We have lots of different people, just like Robert. Robert is going to be helping nurses understand how to get into legal nurse consulting. And that is a whole field that is just fascinating to me. And I think everybody would be interested in. And then we'll have Emma Geiser with Nurse Fern. She is going to be talking about Remote nursing, and she has a whole platform where she helps people understand that how to work from home, basically finding jobs. And we have another uh, creator who's going to be coming to talk about aesthetic nursing and so, so, so many more. Just it's going to be amazing. I'll talk about podcasting if you want to know how to start a podcast. So it's going to be fun. I'm really excited about it, and it is. Saturday, September 24th, from 1 to 7. There's a lot of other things, fun things that we have planned for the event. So go to NurseCreatorCon.com to get your tickets. Also, you can use promo code GNBN-20 to get 20% off your tickets.
1: Everybody come out. It's going to be fun.
0: Oh, yes, it is. It's going to be crazy. So... I guess we can get started with this bad nurse story. I thought this would be interesting to do with you, Robert, because you know so much about court proceedings and the way things work in the legal system. And this was a little different sort of the way that it played out because, it, you know, being in a different country where it happened. So it's a terribly tragic story what happened. But there's also just kind of another whole another element about how they were able to go to trial and all of that. Are you thinking about going back to school to get a master's degree, maybe a family nurse practitioner degree? Well, it's so important to choose the right program. Samuel Merritt University's MSN FNP program has a 100% employment rate after six months. Unbelievable. And Samuel Merritt University has been kind enough to continue to sponsor our podcast and they want us to let you know they're continuing to offer a $10,000 scholarship to anyone enrolled in their MSN, DNP, or family nurse practitioner programs. If you're interested in getting more information about these programs you can visit them at smumsn.com that's smumsn.com and of course we'll put that link on our website if you want to just go to goodnursebadnurse.com i also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and you can also see what they pay the stipend the hourly rate all of that I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health and I absolutely love working for them. So go to TrustedHealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. So this is the story of Orlando Tercero, a nursing student at Binghamton University and the events that resulted in an exceedingly rare legal proceeding. So he was 22 at the time and a dual citizen of the US and Nicaragua. So while attending the university, A romance developed between him and another nursing student, Haley Anderson. She was 22, also, and they everything seemed to go be going well for a while, as they usually do in the beginning, right, Robert? (laughs) That's generally how it goes. Yes. And straight A student, she was accepted into their nursing program. Anderson was described by her friends and family as a free spirit. And they called her a millennial hippie. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but...
1: She was a free spirit.
0: Okay. I'm just not sure what a millennial hippie is. But I, when I think of a hippie, I think of somebody you know from the 70s. Right. And, you know, they were... Tie-dyed kinda... shirts,
1: long hair. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess free spirit is a good, good word to, to use to describe people who were like that. But I'm just trying to think what... Maybe just her age.
1: And a lot of marijuana smoking.
0: Yeah. So I, well, I that's, what I, that's kinda what I was kind of wondering. Uh, no, I'm like, D- is that what they're hinting at? But I don't know. So, but she was close to graduating and had a nursing job waiting for her back home. That has to be exciting. She wanted to celebrate her hard work and accomplishments with a graduation party when she returned home. She had meticulously prepared a long list of everyone she wanted to invite, and her mother, Karen Anderson, was counting down the days until her daughter returned home. You can just this is, the visual is remarkable there. Just the idea, you know, how exciting it is to be graduating from nursing school. It's it's such a hard degree she had her, to she get had her whole
1: life ahead of her. She was just getting her license and going to start the career that she wanted to start. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, no one could anticipate that her bright future is going to suddenly dim. But Sarah and Anderson's relationship became very tumultuous. And so after a year of dating, she called it quits. She broke up with him. She realized that she would rather be friends with him rather than a, a romantic partner. That works sometimes, but a lot of times it doesn't you know and some of the things that happened in their relationship is sort of the reason that it doesn't work out because you can say you want to be friends but if one of if the person who was broken up with still has feelings and then you that person sees you dating other people and all of that the jealousy that goes along with it, it it's it seems like maybe it's best to just kind of go your separate ways well he was at a party with her and she he discovered she was romantically involved with a mutual friend he caused a scene and after the commotion ended, they kind of mended their friendship and everything seemed to be okay. But then when she left that party, her car her tires had been slashed on her car. So I guess maybe she thought everything was okay. and then maybe he made it seem that way, but in, in his heart, you know, he's still really upset about it. I mean, it just sounds very toxic. It's like a very toxic situation
1: situations where somebody does something to a relationship behind the scenes. it's they don't he' already caused a scene at once and then he goes and does the things and that's I mean that kind of behavior is just a I mean a red flag behavior.
0: Yeah, it's scary. yeah, it's very scary. She did obviously suspect him. She, there was no one else that had a problem with her and so she definitely suspected he was the person that that did it. She issued a complaint. they ended up reconciling again. And they sort of just had this on and on again, off again relationship after that happened. And then one night she didn't return to her off-campus apartment after she had kind of been out with friends. And her close friend and roommate was not immediately alarmed by that. But then the second day of not seeing her, she became really concerned. And she and another roommate decided to kind of investigate and see what was going on and they tracked her phone down using the find my friends app when they used that app they could tell that she or at least her phone was at Takara's apartment this really shocks me what happened next i was like wait they did what i i was kind of i don't know because it's not like they're doing this to their friend it's i don't know i couldn't believe this so, but no one answered the door at takara's apartment he, these two girls went in through a window, like broken. That's breaking into his apartment. But I, I just thought that was crazy. It's the kind of
1: friends I need.
0: I know it's like we're coming after you. I mean, I think the way they looked at it is they probably they knew that he had slashed her tires. They knew that he, he had done some really had some really creepy behavior. Maybe they. Even knew that she was afraid of him. It doesn't say that, but I sort of suspect for them to react in this way, climbing through his window. When they get through the window, though, they do make a horrific discovery. Their friend had been strangled to death. CBD Stat. They're amazing products. Love them. They support our podcast. Their CBD product is some of the absolute purest CBD out there. And some of my friends use it for headaches. I personally use it for foot pain. It helps with some people with their back pain. It's truly an amazing product. And they are so good to healthcare professionals. Such a good company. You know, I was able to use their product for the first time after you and I returned from Washington, D.C. for the Nurses March. They provided me with some samples and And I used it on a sore knee and then later on a sore wrist, and it helped so much. My daughter even uses it on her back for her scoliosis, and it really does help. That's amazing. And of course, their products are 100% THC free, which is great for travel nurses who have to take a drug test every three months. They only offer very strong CBD greater than 1,000 milligrams. If you're interested, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. That's cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse be sure and put the forward slash good nurse in there so they'll know that we sent you there so the investigators soon found surveillance footage which captured tercero and anderson entering his apartment hours later he left with just a suitcase so the thing is that there's surveillance cc footage coverage is like everywhere you can it's almost like you can't get away with anything outside of your home because there's potentially cameras just all over the place. Even just driving down the road, they can capture you on people's doorbell, you know, like doorbell ring cameras and outside of their houses obviously on businesses. So that's what they were able to do and they were able to see the two of them go into his apartment and only him come out a few hours later. Then they continue investigating and then found out that he fled to Nicaragua where he obviously had dual citizenship there. So they catch up to him. He this ha- I've done these stories so many times where a partner or spouse or significant other kills the other partner out of just complete control, just wanting to have control over them and not wanting them to leave them. And then they attempt to take their own life And so apparently he was in a hospital in Nicaragua because he had had been admitted there after attempting to take his own life. I personally find it odd that in so many of these cases, they attempt, they were completely um, able to take the other person's life, but then they aren't able to take their own. And that sometimes I feel like is disingenuous. I mean, that's just my own personal opinion about that. But so he is in the hospital. He gets discharged from the hospital. They start a trial. Nicaragua rejected a request from the United States to have the nursing student extradited to the U.S. for judgment. So a Broome County district attorney, Steve Cornwell, he realized that the Nicaraguan trial may be the only way to get justice because they were not going to make him come back to the U.S., But I think they were kind of skeptical as to whether or not they were going to be able to get real justice, not really knowing what was going to happen and not understanding maybe that their criminal justice system and how it works.
1: It's a very different system and a lot of unknowns.
0: Yeah. I think I would be worried about it, too, if I was the family. Absolutely.
1: When money can buy you the verdict you want sometimes.
0: Well, his trial didn't have a jury.
1: Right. It was a bench trial.
0: Yeah. So... I wonder if, in their in this case, if he was if he a- was able to choose for himself or if that's just the way their system is set up. I'm not sure
1: in most in most of those countries like that, you can choose whether you have a bench trial or a jury trial, and I know Nicaraguan law from a case that we actually did before they they actually have a choice so they he chose a bench trial, which just which means that the judge is going to listen to both sides and then render the verdict
0: that's interesting. Yeah. he must have thought that you know everyday citizens would hear the story and say no we don't want him walking around loose and he was going to take his chances with the judge
1: the other advantage to that is you don't have so many ears hearing your case and so socially it kind of closes in the amount of ears that are hearing what's going on in the courtroom
0: that makes sense too. keep it on the down low a little bit more well american prosecutors really didn't have any authority over the trial But the district attorney's office in New York was deeply involved as a facilitator for witness testimony. So I guess they sort of helped get witnesses there to be able to testify. They testified with the help of a translator via a video link from a room in the district attorney's office in downtown Binghamton. So he was found guilty and received a term of 30 years in prison, which was the top penalty for the crime of femicide, which is a sex-based crime that's def- defined as the intentional killing of a woman because she is a woman. I actually appreciate this because I feel like a lot of times that gets lost in a lot of these cases where it's a significant other, you know, or a spouse or some, someone who's in a relationship with this with a woman and they kill her when she's trying to leave, which is always the most dangerous time when a woman is trying to leave an abusive Spouse, and it is you know it. It it seems to me that it is because she is a woman and he wants to have control over her. I feel like that is usually the reason, and so I find that interesting that they would actually specifically call it that. I've never heard of that in the United States.
1: It's not something that we use. So in in my world, as a forensic nurse, I'm a board certified forensic nurse specialist. I work very closely with a lot of domestic violence cases. I see this repetition of, I mean, you can see the buildup of, I mean, he started a scene and then, you know, the slashing of the tires, all, I mean, all red flags of who he seriously was. And the, you know, this kind of, I, just from those two things alone, I can just suspect very heavily that there were probably... Other signs that she saw in the in within the intimacy of their relationship, the closeness just between the two of them, things that he did either emotionally, physically, or verbally, that would give her clues of his truth. But through all the domestic violence cases and child abuse cases that I see, I mean, those red flags are always there. And it doesn't matter how well you know somebody. What's really evident in this case was that she kept going back. These individuals that do these kind of offenses, it's not uncommon that you see people being pulled back into their world. They, you know, they, they apologize or they show remorse, whatever level that is. And they're, you know, I love you. I want you back. I'm sorry. It was just a one-time thing, you know, and then they get them wrapped back into their world where they, where their comfort level is, or where they want them. And then when they make that final decision of, or they see them out with somebody else, or they're in a relationship like she was, then the true anger and hostility and the true person shows up. But I work closely with two organizations that are pivotal in this kind of thing, which is the American Professional Society on the Abuse of Children. And, and the National Center on Domestic and Sexual Violence. And I sit on boards on both of those organizations and it is amazing the amount of the stories that I see and hear and are, are brought into. And this is not an uncommon occurrence, seeing someone, especially in a foreign country, you have a different type of situation there, but the people are the same no matter where you go and you just have to be careful with who and looking for those identifiers and red flags in a relationship of any kind.
0: I just recorded an episode. It actually hasn't been released yet with the Rapid Response RN podcast host Sarah, and she's a sane nurse. And she, we were talking about a, a similar story. I, somehow these I, we get themes going. It's not intentional. Somehow it just sort of happens. Like everything comes in threes, it seems like. But so we were talking about all of this on that episode, and she said that. If a man attempts to strangle his spouse or significant other during their relationship at any time, he lays his hand, actually puts his hands on her throat to strangle her, that the chances of her actually, of her being killed by him at some point are astronomical. Exponentially,
1: exponentially higher. Absolutely. Anytime a man would put his hands around your throat, it's a definite sign that you need to get out. I mean, the likelihood of injury or death exponentially raises and the risk factor is through the roof after that occurs. Just to put this into some kind of reference, it takes 10 pounds of pressure to occlude your arteries in your neck and takes 30 pounds per square inch of pressure to occlude your airway. And a man's hands are able to apply up to 150 pounds of pressure individually, give or take different body types and that type of thing, but it doesn't take much. And when you take that into perspective to basically take the life out of someone with your hands, the amount of cases that we see where this is applied and this is, this happens, you have to be very careful. And if you start seeing those type of actions or those types of behaviors from a friend or a spouse or man or woman, it's time to separate yourself and not go back.
0: Yes. Do not think that they're going to change. That's one thing Sarah said. Don't, do not think That you're going to be able to change this person
1: you know and it's like you said earlier the thing that he attempted his own suicide but was ineffective in doing so a lot of people a lot of men especially this is very consistent with studies and literature men that do these kind of behaviors that you know hurt women or do that so they're not very strong mentally and emotionally themselves they have gaps they have emotional gaps in their own abilities I mean, he didn't want to die, he didn't kill himself. And in that he, the moment he has anger issues, he has those types of things he can't control. Well, he snuffed her life out, but he was too scared or whatever to take his own. It's a scary place to be and relationships are hard enough. I personally don't understand where or how someone continues to go back. And they, these people continuously that have these kind of personality traits, they are, they're always able to pull somebody back in by saying, well, if you leave me, I'll kill myself or I'll do something myself. It's always a control tactic you know when he went off at the party and slashing her tires those are behaviors that are just it's a control tactic it's a fear tactic to control her which is very consistent with these types of with these types of individuals and these types of cases
0: yeah i can't imagine being the parents of this young lady who they were looking forward to her coming home they were about to get her back it's just devastating and i the as hard as these cases are to talk about they're so sad they're so tragic i want to talk about these things as as often as possible because i want There pe- obviously there's a lot of females that listen to this podcast but it's it, another thing sarah brought up last week is that this is not just male on female violence this happens in all sorts of relationships and females sometimes can also be the aggressor although it's a lot more rare it can happen and i've done those stories also but by far, the vast majority is going to be male and female aggression. And I just hope that people listening to this might learn something from, that, from this. And maybe in the future, if they see this sort of behavior and it have these sort of experiences, they won't just you know let it go. One thing that Sarah said is a lot of times women in abusive relationships don't even know they're in an abusive relationship. They don't, they wouldn't even define it that way. They don't recognize the abusive behavior, which is bizarre to me. But then when I really think about it, I guess I sort of can understand if the abusive partner makes excuses and justifies it enough and they're manipulative enough. And also with gaslighting, just making the making their, their partner think that it was their fault somehow because they pushed their buttons. That it's sort of maybe, maybe they don't recognize it. They don't think, oh, I'm not that woman that just, you know, that my spouse comes home and hits me every night. This is just sort of every now and then I just say the wrong thing. And I know I shouldn't. And he was just having a bad day. It's like, they don't put themselves in that category.
1: You know, it's the same kind of scenario where you see these people that children that are taken captive and they fall in love or have feel like they have a relationship with their captive. It's that same kind of thing in a relationship. And we see that same kind of responsiveness in domestic violence where the person that is the victim actually takes up for or tries to protect the perpetrator. It's a really weird dynamic. They grow their own kind of interpersonal relationship that's interwoven and it becomes a protection for the person that's actually hurting them. And there's a lot of psychological studies and a lot of like different literature on this matter. It's a really weird kind of dynamic in that relationship. But even whenever they're given the opportunity to get out or they go to the ER because they have injury, they won't report what happened. They Tell some other story, some other fabrication of the reality of what actually occurred to protect that person that that is hurting them. It's a psychological phenomenon that's, I mean, it's what makes movies.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I I do want to just acknowledge that her mom did make a statement. She said, "You, you can't really put a number on somebody's life, but I think that justice has been served. And she was referencing the 30 years that he got in prison. She said to the best it it could have been. And if anything can come from Haley's death, it is awareness. And so that's what she is wanting to bring is awareness. And that's what we're trying to do here is bringing awareness about this issue that if you are in a relationship with someone like this, even a friendship, if you think, oh, I'm not in a relationship anymore, I've broken it off, but staying connected to that person is only you are still in danger if you continue to stay connected to that person and allow them to manipulate you and control you. That's unfortunate. It's just the way it is. So Nicaraguan courts later denied his appeal and they confirmed his 30-year prison sentencing. So that's it for him. That's his fate. He sealed his fate when he decided you know, to do that. And like you said, I'm sure it was I'm sure it was in a heat of passion, but at the same time he did these things over a period of time that they escalated. You know, he chose to continue this behavior that he had to have known wasn't right, you know, to continue to target. One of the women didn't most, want it.
1: One of the most fascinating descriptions that I've ever heard about domestic violence and the perception and the focus Of a person that's a perpetrator such as as this gentleman and or this guy don't think he's a gentleman is a reference that i heard a doctor give when he was giving a presentation as a keynote speaker on domestic violence he used the example that the perpetrator treats girlfriend focal point whatever it is that they're abusing almost like schmiegel does and he calls it my precious and the attraction he has to it and anytime he sees it he wants it, and whenever it's gone, he loses his mind over it, and he has to have it back. And it's that same type of possessive, abnormal component in the mind that just, I mean, it's, it becomes obsessive. And they do anything they can to, it's the one thing they can control in their lives, and this, and the one thing they want. And when you put it into that perspective, I don't want somebody possessing over me like that. And if you can't, if you have to have that one thing in your life to give you validation or meaning, there's something significantly wrong. And so if a healthy relationship has give and take, and if you are an item to them that is possessive in nature, there is higher risk for injury and death. In those relationships, whether you're a man or a woman, be aware of your relationship. Look for those signs and symptoms and don't be afraid to tell somebody sometimes in relationships people get so involved financially and they're like how am i going to make it on my own am i going to get out of this you can there are a ton of people out there and organizations that can help you and tomorrow's a new day and you can do this on your own just don't put yourself in a situation where you end up in the same situation as this as this girl and a family that's now lost everything and didn't even get closure to say goodbye because she was obviously in a different country So say something, do something and get out there. There are plenty of people out there that will help you. And life is good and you can live a better life starting tomorrow. It's always it's never too late to start over.
0: Well, thank you so much, Robert, for that, for your perspective. In this case, I knew it was going to be an interesting discussion. And I definitely wanted to do this to bring continue to bring awareness to this topic as often as we can. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there and use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. So I guess we can get into this good nurse story. This is a feel good kind of story. I really like doing these sorts of stories after a dark story like that one.
1: It's like a cleansing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's why we do that. That's why we do the good nurse story last because it's like we get to end on a good note. But the this is really neat. Christina Baker, she is a pediatric ICU nurse, and she was on a beach trip in Monterey Bay, California with a youth group from Topeka. And while they're there doing this cleanup effort for the, on the beach, this whole group, they were walking along the beach and saw a man struggling and screaming out in the water, out in the ocean. And it turns out he was bitten by a 17 foot great white shark. So, I mean, this just happened June 22nd of this year, 2022. And so the man had been sitting on a surfboard. I've heard this before. I've heard this many times before people that get on their surfboards and let their legs dangle, that you look just like, for some reason, to a shark up from underneath. It looks just like their favorite food. Yeah, so, that's, that's,
1: that's why I don't surf.
0: It's that, like that's the worst that's never thing can do. Yeah. I don't <laughs> need to be
1: a morsel for a shark.
0: So he's just, he's sitting on there on top of the surfboard, feet, legs dangling, paddling along, parallel to the shore. And they hear him screaming. At first, they thought he was drowning. And there was a surf pro there in their group. And he grabbed a surfboard and started swimming toward the man that was in distress. Christina had a medical kit with her. And so she grabbed some items from that kit and some towels and T-shirts, you know, from different people around, ran down to the water. They all kind of wade into the water and met the surf pro who was bringing him in on his surfboard. And they all just dragged him out up onto the shore. And so they had to start put, putting tourniquets putting pressure on his abdomen where he was bleeding the bite injuries went from his lower left leg all the way through his abdomen up to his arm like it started at like the left leg if you can imagine and then in half moon circular pattern a, you know, a bite it went all the way through up to his abdomen and then all the way out to his left arm that's immense it's crazy she said they were very calm about it there was another nurse there there was a doctor there and she said they all just worked together very calmly and they obviously started applying pressure to the first wound they saw and then they were like oh there's another one wrapped a tourniquet here, wrap a tourniquet there, apply pressure here, apply pressure. She said they just kept one after another as they saw the need, applying pressure and and stopping the bleeding. His name was Steve Brummer and he said that he had tourniquets on his legs and arm within 5 minutes to stop the bleeding otherwise he would have bled to death. So he definitely recognized that their quick action saved his life and I have no doubt that it did. It's amazing. And think about where the bite was, like right there in the thigh or right there in the abdomen. I mean, I'm sure it had to have been probably maybe even millimeters from a major artery. There would have been no saving him at that point, but truly amazing. The news segment showed him being wheeled out of the hospital and it looks like he's well on his way to recovery. It's really a really cool story.
1: When I first read this story, three things immediately just, you know, kind of popped out to me. Number one, she is a hero. She is an absolute hero. Number one, situational awareness. And so many of us, I mean, we just kind of walk through life and we're just kind of like doing our own thing and uh, not really paying attention. But the situational awareness to know something was wrong is amazing to me. I mean, a lot of people, you just, they walk by things and they never see what's going on in the world around them. For her to recognize that is number one. Number two, willingness to assist those in need. There, We see things all the time. If you watch the news these days, people are getting shot. They get, I mean, the elderly are getting punched in the face on the streets in New York, and people are running the opposite direction. And I don't know what happened in society where we're not willing to help each other, but she responded to someone else's need, which is huge. And man, God bless her for that because she, I mean, she, if she hadn't responded, this guy may have just bled to death right there on the beach. Thirdly, Understanding and knowing how to apply her skill and trade and her expertise in that moment. I was in the military for 10 years. I spent two tours in Iraq. These types of injuries are something we would see through like an IED explosion, something of that nature. A bite of that kind of magnitude. And you have to understand the force that a shark comes in and hits the body with. And what you were talking about. You have you know arteries that are coming into that shoulder joint to go down the arm. You have the, a major femoral artery in the leg going down. I mean, the likelihood of him being struck in one of those vital areas, the timing where he could exquaint, exsanguinate or bleed out. I mean, it, it's her. what they did as a team and her willingness to respond and assist, I mean, is life-saving. She is a hero. And you put those three qualities together, man. I, I want those people on my team all, all day, every day. And, I mean, like I said, having been in the military and seen those types of injuries, man, those kind of people, we need more of those people in the world.
0: Yes, we do. We need more of those people working in hospitals, at the bedside, in ERs and in ICUs and in just everywhere, helping patients. And, unfortunately, in this day and time, we're its a—we're hemorrhaging nurses, it seems like, from hospitals. There are more and more nurses leaving the bedside because of the That's a whole other podcast. That- Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Yeah. it is. We talk about it all the time here. And it's just the way we it's the way things have gone. I mean, they've been that way for a while, but they're really bad right now. And I wanted to mention something that you talked about how we people are not as willing now, it seems lately to help someone in need, a stranger in need. My son was driving down the interstate. I was working at the hospital and my my husband sent me a text that said, Levi is okay. Number First of all, Levi is okay. But then he tells me what happened. My son was driving down the interstate and several lanes, busy, very busy interstate that runs in the middle of Knoxville. And in the middle of the day, just there, I'm sure there was traffic everywhere moving very quickly. And he ran out of gas in the middle, right in the middle lane. So he's stuck, completely dead stopped in the, on the interstate, my 18-year-old son, eh, with 18 wheelers flying by him. Almost immediately, two different cars stopped behind him, like stopped in order to keep the b- people from We're running over him. Yeah. Yes. And got out of their car. I couldn't even believe. I was just like, gosh, please don't get out of your car. But people, please don't get out of your car. I appreciate these people so much, their hearts. One of them, so they went up to see if he was okay. First of all, he was just scared to death and like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I just ran out of gas. One of them weaved because by this time, everything had stopped and there there was just everything had slowed down to a crawl. And they weaved through the traffic and went through the grass and got up and onto the like an intersection where they could get off like a, an off ramp, went to a gas station to get gas. So he actually was going to get gas for Levi. And then... Mark had called 911 because he called his dad right away. And so Mark had called 911. And so there was a police officer and assistance, all this, everybody came. He was able to get off the interstate quickly and never even got to thank the person that was going to get the gas for him. But I I cannot tell you, I can't verbalize how thankful we were for the people who just immediately, without even thinking about their own safety, stopped to help someone else in need. And that was a very dangerous situation that they put themselves in for our son's benefit. And I appreciated them so much. And It happens all the time. We've done stories on this podcast of people being killed because they stopped to help. And we've, you know, healthcare providers stopped to help someone and then they're killed. And we do try to emphasize being safe whenever, if you're gonna stop and help, you know, make sure that you stay safe. But I wanted to just mention that because in a world where it seems like there are fewer people who are willing to do that, someone did just stop and help Levi. And we really were appreciative. And it helps me to, I don't know, kind of establishes a little bit more for humanity.
1: It shows you there are still are good people in this world. And there are, you hear all this negativity, like, you know, the good nurse, bad nurse stories. There's, there are those people and there are these situations. But, man, the majority of people are good. And the majority of people that are good, we just need to do more to help each other and stand up for each other and link arms. You know, like everyone says, you know, light always, you know, takes out the darkness. So if we can just be all be lights and do good, well, this world will be better off. There's really good people that can continue to make that happen.
0: Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Remind everybody where they can find you and your services.
1: My website is Malair. It's M-A-L-A-E-R, Molaire Legal Nurse Consulting.com. I do legal nurse consulting work and then and life care planning for attorneys and insurance companies. It was an absolute pleasure being on here with you again. I'm willing and, and look forward to coming back and talking with you anytime. And I am so excited about next Saturday seeing you and everybody else live and doing this thing. I'm 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 anticipating just a really fun time and a lot of benefit and just getting to actually meet you and everyone else that's coming. Again, if y'all are even thinking about buying tickets or coming, come, we're gonna have a blast. You're gonna get to meet everybody and learn more about a lot of the different nursing avenues and opportunities. And I look forward to sharing my story with y'all and, and uh, telling you how you can become a legal nurse consultant, life care planner what LegalNurse.com is doing and how you can get involved and change your life as a nurse and maybe work in the legal field as well. So thank you again. And and it's been a pleasure. I do look forward to uh, seeing you next Saturday.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I would like to thank LegalNurse.com for helping to sponsor our event. LegalNurse.com, first of all, is the gold standard for if you are wanting to become a legal nurse consultant. That's how Robert got his certification. And so we definitely appreciate them so much for helping us to put this event on. Also, Echo Devices, the stethoscope, this ama- the amazing stethoscope with the sound enhancement device on it. I use it every single day that I work at the hospital. And CBD Stat, awesome company. They're so good to healthcare providers. I love their product. I use it on my feet for my uh, foot pain from work after working twelve hours. They are a wonderful company, and they're so good. They've been so good to us, and we appreciate them. They're also helping to sponsor. And so we're looking forward to it. Can't wait to see you guys go to nursecreatorcon.com and get your tickets virtual or in person. Don't forget, you can use promo code GNBN-20 to get 20% off your tickets. And also just want to remind you that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse.